also good morning to anyone joining us on the live stream. Looking forward as sky is a good prayer that we can, some of these restrictions and God's providence will be lifted and we can gather together hopefully as one church sooner than later and be able to sing. Excellent song choice, Dan. That is probably one of my favorite songs, actually. So Dan texted me this week and he's like, oh, how's this song? I was like, best one there is. So just anyway, that's my opinion. But um, yeah, it'd be great as we think about that song, maybe even the weeks ahead. And hopefully when we come draw closer today, we can sing that together as a church and reflect on the truths that we learned from Colossians. Well, Colossians is a, it's a fantastic book, isn't it? It's um, just when you think that Christianity is a bit uh, abstract and sort of, I don't know, navel gazing, sort of, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's sort of just things people do on a Sunday morning. I, I reckon if you talk to the average secular Australian, they would probably have an, a vision of church that would be maybe smells and bells. Um, you know, look, I, why would I want to go to that building? I, uh, this is a time for me to sleep in and watch sport and surf or whatever, right? Here on the coast, it's certainly not a time where I would want to go to some random building with people that I don't really know and study about some unseen God or whatever. Um, they would definitely have, a, I think, an idea of Christianity that is sort of, um, it's not necessary. Does that make sense? It's a bit abstract. It's a bit sort of, um, like, if, if that's good for you, they might say. Like, that's nice. For, like if, you, if you feel like you need that, good on you. But, but I don't need that, right? And it doesn't actually touch relevance in my life. Yet, um, the Bible's really clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all are in desperate need of God's grace. And here's what's interesting too. When you actually pick this book up and read it, you'll find that it's not abstract and just out here, but it, it's very close to home. Such as the text today. The Bible just doesn't leave you with sort of these abstract truths about who God is and, you know, what he's done in Christ, all amazing life-altering stuff. But then, as you see now, it actually comes very literally within the confines of the Christian home. As Martin Luther used to say, this passage is, it's the Lord's uh, table, as it were. Not, not in the sense of communion, but it's, it's the family coming together around the dinner table, right? Um, th this brings, the text that we look at today brings us right into how we live as Christian spouses and parents and children. I mean, if that's not relevant, I, I don't sort of know what is. Um, I mean, if you look today in the world, the questions that people have are about these issues. How do I parent my kids? Right? Like, how, how, how do I deal with, and this sounds like an interrogating way, but how do I deal with my wife or deal with my husband? Right? I mean, you, you hear these things, do you not? In society. Well, the Bible touches on all of these things. The Bible doesn't shy away from these things. The Bible doesn't leave, and here's, here's, the, here's the encouraging thing. The Bible does not leave it up to us to decide how this stuff sort of works out. The Bible actually speaks to all of these areas of life. And so this morning, what, what my hope and my prayer is, 
<clears throat> is that we look at this passage together, we would actually be able to put ourselves under what God's word says. Uh, and, and, I, and I say that because there's some hard things that are pretty countercultural, which we'll get to in just a second if you didn't already see it in the text, right? Um, and so I think, I think it's, it's, um, it's easy to come to the Bible with preconceived notions about marriage, how to raise kids, what roles are in a marriage between a husband and a wife, and right? Like, and then when we see or read what it says, we can say, oh, mm, eh, not really relevant, or, or do you see what I'm saying? But, uh, but I'm hoping that we actually come with teachable hearts and submitting under the authority of what the word of God says. A and that, my friends, is the distinguishing mark between someone who, who truly believes this book and someone who, who just sees it as abstract, you know? So I've um, been praying for you guys this week, and I'm looking forward to looking at this text together. I, um, I was telling April, so I, I sort of, I don't typically do this, but I sort of, I shifted my sermon yesterday. Uh, that's, not, that's not typical of me. Uh, it's not like, you know, I got a vision in the clouds or anything like that. I just literally looked at the prag practical side of this. Like, I, I, in other words, who, who does Paul address? Hu wives, husbands, children, fathers, and then slaves, right? And that's sort of a unit. And I thought to myself, if I have to hit, uh, Wayne was already here several weeks ago and did the, you guys, if you get, he did a great job, the slaves and masters, that was a, I gave him like a really hard passage, poor guy, he's nice, so he can't say no, right, um, I mean, look at his in-laws, no, I'm just kidding, no, but, um, no, but so, you know, but I, I started looking at this, and I thought, oh, hold on, if, if I'm actually supposed to, you, ha you typically have, what, 30 minutes in a sermon, right, give or take, sometimes I go longer than that, um, but, if I sort of divide this up, I can only give like say six to seven minutes on, on the bit to wives, six to seven minutes to the husbands, six to seven minutes to the children, six to seven minutes to the, to the uh, parents. And I'm like, nah. So yesterday I was like, you know what? We're just gonna cut that in half. And this is gonna be Christian household parts one, where we're just today going to talk about wives and husbands. And then, because it's like, what am I in a rush for, right? You guys aren't, you know, breathing down my neck to get to some other book. Well, if you are, too bad, right? <laughs> but, but I thought, I haven't actually, I did speak, I did preach on divorce here, if you were here when we went to the Sermon on the Mount. But that was primarily about divorce, because that's what Jesus is covering. And there was bits and pieces about marriage, right? But I was like, I, I was thinking about, it. I actually haven't um, really had a chance to talk much about the roles of men and women specifically in the context of marriage, really at all. And so rather than sort of just kind of rush it through, uh, I thought, no, 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 we're going to do a word to wives and a word to husbands. So make it really simple. To next week will be a word to children and a word to parents. Okay? So it's pretty simple. Um, well, simple enough, I guess. But um, yeah, so today that's where we're headed. Wives, husbands. Um, 
hopefully the Lord uses this to shape us in our marriages and to um, convict, encourage, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's my prayer. And uh, why don't we, speaking of prayer, why don't we just look to the Lord now that um, we would have teachable, moldable hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we, we come to you together as a church this morning and uh, what we have not, we pray that you would give to us what we know not teach us, what we are not make us. For your kingdom's sake and your glory in Christ's name, amen. So I don't know, you know, when Ralph just read that passage, I don't know if he struggled with it quite a bit. You know, I mean, we Colossians is a wonderful book. I mean, it, it's just an amazing letter. Uh, we've learned about who Christ is. Dan was just referring to that here. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn among the dead, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Christ's supremacy over the, over the creation, over the new creation. That's just awesome, right? He's defeated the powers of Satan and darkness. Yeah, woo! I, it just, and then last week, if you were here, right, um, talks about church life and, and how that's to be lived out together. Just, a, just as beautiful and amazing. It just keeps on getting better. And then you come to this bit today, and it's perhaps a bit jarring, right? I mean, we've, we've just, we just left off on this note about the church and what it looks like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then today, what do we get? Wives, submit to or be subject to your husbands. Oh, what? I was beginning to like this guy, Paul. And now he sounds more like a chauvinist pig, Right? I mean, what do we do with this? What, and it almost seems like this just comes abruptly, doesn't it? Like you're sort of flowing along, and then all of a sudden, it, it's, like some, it's like we're sitting in, in, in a wonderful theological class with the Paul, Paul the Apostle, and he's talking about Christology. This is who Jesus is, and bang, and bang, and bang. And, th and then it's uh, ecclesiology, meaning the church, and uh, Ecclesia, church, a study of the church, ecclesiology. This is who the church is. Wow, this is so great. And we're all like, wow, this is amazing. And then we come back from our morning tea, and he goes, now, wives, submit to your husbands. Like, what? Where'd you, where'd you, where you get that from? Where, where'd you, where are you getting off, Paul? Right? So what are we supposed to do with this? Like, are, are we supposed to just sort of ignore it, you know? Just kind of kind of sweep it under the rug, just, it's a bit awkward, it's very countercultural. I mean, we'd, if, if, if ABC knew that I was preaching on this text this morning, they might even come sit in the back and film this, right? <laughs> Ooh, we, we'd love to rip this church, right? So, so do we ignore it? You know, oh, this is a bit uncomfortable. People in the church aren't going to like this, so why don't I just... I'll just quickly kind of just mumble, my wife submit, and just kind of run. Let's get on to chapter four, right? Should, should we do that? Or, or maybe, maybe what we should do is change it, right? I mean, poor Paul, poor bloke. He didn't really know about the feminist movement that would happen years later. He didn't know about women's rights and everything that happened, so... I mean, perhaps this is just a, an instance where we have to bring the Bible kicking and screaming into the 21st century. 
because this really advocates an, an, a very archaic, abusive sort of, you know, terrible idea of fathers and God, and, and we, we should just change it. That's what some people say, you know. So are you happy with that? Do you, want, do you want me to just skip over it and just kind of look for the lovey passages about God and us and stuff? Do you want me to change it? Do you want me to just sort of just try to, uh, you know, say, well, it doesn't really mean that here, you know. We just know that, you know, it doesn't really mean. Are you happy with that? No, I'm, 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 I don't want to do that. How about we do this, though? How about we explore it together with some humility? Okay, how, how about we, we look at this passage, this word to wives, and we explore sort of what this means together. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay, so let's start with this first bit. When Paul says wives, it's interesting there, by the way, he addresses them. Did you notice that? This is a real letter written to real people. And it's meant to be read out. If you read at the end of Colossians, he says, also, make sure you read this letter to this church, this church, you know, Wyoming Church of Christ and EV and the Prezies and, you know, everything, blah, blah, blah. Right? Make sure when you get this letter, read it out. So, so wives are addressed here. He, he addresses wives and he addresses husbands. And he even addresses children, who, by the way, would be sitting in the service. So he says, and slaves were there too. So he says, wives, and then he has this word, submit. Here's the question. What does this word submit mean anyway? And who does it apply to? Well, maybe be helpful. I don't mean to scare anybody or bore anybody, but maybe be helpful just to look at the original here. I know, I, I know it's going to be Greek to you, except for Dan. Um, but, but it'd be helpful, and then we'll look at other passages. You can see it in English yourself. The same word submit's used. But just bear with me for just a second. Let's just look here at Colossians chapter 1, verse, sorry, Colossians chapter 3, um, verse, is it 18, right? Let's look at, if it comes there, okay, I know this is all Greek to you, but the first thing there, gune, is woman or wife, so that's plural, Hi, gunekes, that is saying wives. That, see the address there? Do you see this first bit? Wives, and then that is on air means husband. Tois, that's husbands. So there's the article. Everybody seeing that there? So, so, there's, so there's wives and husbands. And what are the wives supposed to do? Oh. <laughs> Welcome to Wyoming Church of Christ. I love it. So here's what the... Nigel, you're the man. Or Nicole, you're the woman. <laughs> the wives are to hupatas esta, which comes from the, uh, at the root word there is hupataso. That's where we get the word be subject to or to put oneself under the authority of another. Okay? So hupataso, here it is, uh, it's, it's telling you need to hupatas esta. So wives... Be subject to, put yourself under the authority of who? You, husbands, right? 
Uh, you can take the Greek off there if you want. Let, let's look at some passages together, though. Let me, same word where this is used, okay? So here, here we go. Look at, it's interesting. This word, submit, here is, it's used about, I think, 31 or 32 times in the New Testament. Um, Paul uses this several times. Look what he says here in Romans 13. It's the same word that's used. He tells Christians to obey the governing authorities to submit to them. Romans 13, 1. Let every person be, you see it up here or not? Let, that's right. Or you can look at it in your own Bibles. Romans 13, 1. Let every person be subject, same word, hupotasso, right, to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted. Oh, here we go. Do you see it, guys? See it? Let everyone be what? Sa same word. Same word. Be subject. Now, here's another one in First Peter. Chapter 2, same idea about Christians obeying the government. He says, be subject, again, same word from Colossians, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor, a supreme, or to governors. Now, that's within the political sphere, right? But how about people being submissive to God? Well, James 4, 7 says, Submit, we, what are we supposed to do? Submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. Same word, though, is used there, though. You see the word submit? Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But what about, okay, I don't want to go too much on a rabbit trail here, but, but, but what about people who aren't Christians? Like, how do they submit themselves to God? Well, ultimately, they can't. Because Romans says this, doesn't shy away from this. Romans 8, 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not what? Submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It does not submit. And there's our word yet again. Or Romans 10, 3. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, referring to the nation of Israel, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Now, if we had the time, we could do a more extensive word study on this idea of submission, but hopefully you're beginning to already grasp the sense of it. This idea of yielding control or placing yourself under the authority of another is really what it means. So let's come back to our text here in Colossians. Paul says... Wives are to submit to their husbands. But here's the key. Don't miss this. Look carefully at the words in your Bible if you're there. Wives submit to who? Your husbands. This is not, a couple, I think a couple things we need to address here. This is not addressed to all females everywhere under the sun, as if females need to submit to men. I think that needs to be very clear. This is not advocating for some chauvinistic, misogynistic nastiness. Um, 
The Bible doesn't command, actually, or give restrictions on women leading in politics, businesses, and so on. Right? It doesn't command a general submission of women to men here. But it does address specific areas within the church and in the home when you do look at the Bible. And here we see that Christian wives are to put themselves under the spiritual leadership of their husbands. God has ordained the man to spiritually lead his wife. He is to take the lead in the marriage relationship. Now, that said, I think there's another caveat that's in order here. There is a difference, and you can see it right here in the text. There is a difference between submission and obedience. Because if you just look a few verses later, there's a command given to children and to slaves. And what's that? The command is obedience, right? Obedience is, I say you obey, correct? Like, you know, it, you have, as I say to my kids at the Jenner house, you have no rights. This is not a democracy in the Jenner house. This is a dictatorship, and mom and dad are the king and queen. Okay? So I don't really say that. Well, yeah, probably said it a couple times. <laughs> But that's, that's, that's a difference between submission, right? A submission is a willingness to put yourself under the authority, a God-ordained authority. It's obedience says, I say, and you do it. Whereas submission carries the idea of a voluntary willingness to recognize and put oneself under the headship of another, which means the wife doesn't submit to some random detached, authoritative figure, but she follows a man who continually loves her and leads her. If you look at verse 18 again, the last phrase makes all the difference in the world too, by the way. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. You see that? In the Lord. When a wife submits to her husband, she recognizes a relationship of order established by God himself. I, I grew up in California near one of the largest military bases in America. And in the military, they have what's called ranks of order. Do you know what I mean by that? You've got generals and, and colonels and sergeants and majors and all the way down to uh, a private or I don't know what the, it's probably similar here whatever the you know the rookie is right um, yeah, there's levels of rank levels of authority and you need to respect those in higher rank no doubt no doubt you could have a sergeant by the way who's a lot nicer and a lot smarter a lot more gifted than his commanding officer that's just, I met some of them. But that doesn't, that doesn't negate the fact that he's still under his commanding officer. It doesn't actually change that reality. In a similar way, the wife doesn't submit to her husband because he deserves it. She submits because it is fitting in the Lord. The husband is the spiritual leader of the home. He may not do a good job at it, but he still, that is his role. And again, let me offer another caveat here. I could probably go do caveats all day long with this text. But let me offer another one. 
Submission has a limitation in its scope. The command to submit is not absolute. It's not blind obedience. When the husband asks the wife to sin, she must not submit. Hey, do you want to get drunk with me? No. You see? That's not like when the husband, hey, honey, you should, uh, and I don't mean this to, I'm not trying to speak crassly here, but perhaps this might be a bit relevant, if you, it, particularly for those of you that have husbands that may not be Christians. Hey, honey, can you dress a little bit more risque when we go out on dates or whatever? I like when you dress like that. No, the Bible says I need to be modest in the way that I dress. Hey, I don't like you going to church. In fact, I tell you right now you can't go to church. No, the Bible tells me not to neglect meeting together on the Lord's Day. And by the way, you have to be very wise and winsome. Please don't take this as a license to, oh, great, well, when I get back, I'm going to stick it to my husband. I can't wait. It's not. It's the, you'd miss, you're missing the whole point, right? So this is not blind obedience. There's actually an order here. You're trying to place yourself under the authority of your husband who's under the authority of God, you see. And when you do that, you're actually recognizing that, that order and trying to be obedient to Christ and how that order is set up. Um, if the husband, here's another time not to submit, if the husband is under the influence of drugs, that's not a time to submit. There's a reason you're not supposed to be drunk or be on drugs. The Bible says in Ephesians, do not get drunk with wine which leads to debauchery and unbridled, uncontrolled, stupid behavior. You're not going to think clearly. You're actually going to be controlled by the alcohol or the drug itself. So you should not submit to your husband at that point. He's not thinking right. Another time that you shouldn't submit to your husband if, if you're in an abusive relationship. This, the, listen, this passage is not advocating for some macho bloke to just dominate his wife and her just to be this passive doormat. That is a, that is a devastating uh, application that's off base in a million ways from this passage. So, so I hope you hear that. That's not what's going on here. And I also want to say this, as I was thinking about it. I, I, a book I'd recommend, and I'll leave it up here afterwards. This is, I, was, I went to Sydney this week, and I was reading through this again. It's a great book. God's Design for Man and Woman. Simple enough, right? And this is a, a couple, the Kossenbergers, who, who, um, who wrote this book together. Fantastic book. Really, really helpful. Um, strongly recommend it. I'll leave it up here afterwards. You guys can have a look at it and purchase it if you'd like. Uh, Reformers Bookshop should have that. Um, so look, I want to say this, though, because we could go all day on this, but we're ha we're, I want to move on because he, he gives a word to husbands. Um, how do I say this? God, God has designed these things. This is his design, not, not mine. As Christians, we need to do our best to submit to the plain sense meaning of what this word is saying. 
And by no means does this downplay the role and value of women. And I pray and I hope that this church lifts up the worth of women. And this is by no means advocating for some, like I said, chauvinistic macho-ness. Um, because here's the thing. What's easier, by the way? Because Paul doesn't in here. What's easier? Trying to put yourself under the authority of someone who's leading you spiritually or loving your wife as Christ loved the church? <laughs> so blokes, get ready because I'm coming swinging now. Right? So I, or I'm not. Paul is, right? I mean, honestly, like, I, I, I hope that you don't just it, read this in a very flat-footed sort of way and sort of see it just like, well, you know, women submit. That means you must obey. No, I hope we've already cle- cleared that up. It's as the husband is loving his wife and leading his wife, she is following his leadership. Often, though, I think the tempting thing is, is, and, and I can imagine, if I were a Christian wife, you would think in your head, yeah, fair enough. I hear what you're saying. I hear all the caveats you're saying. Yeah, I'll submit to my husband insofar as he does the right thing. <laughs> right? I'll submit to my husband insofar as he makes the right decision. But that's not, that's not actually what it, what it says. Um, you know, to my wife's credit, beyond being married to me for the last 15 years, um, th- I've made choices that she probably, she may or may not have wanted to take, but she said, you know what? This is, I trust that God has you as the spiritual leader of our family, and this is the best thing for his glory and for his kingdom. That doesn't mean that she just doesn't have an opinion. And by the way, when you talk about people that are smarter and more gifted, yeah, I was talking about my marriage. <laughs> Right? I mean, let's, let's be honest. I married up. But, but you see, the, uh, to my wife's credit, though not perfectly, we, take, we, take, we want to take the word of God clearly at what it says. It's amazing how many people, and I don't want to go on a rant here, but I will for two seconds. It's amazing how many people will say, oh, well, see, the word submit here doesn't really mean Submit. It means, uh, you know, something else. Oh, okay, so we're not supposed to literally take that. Oh, so since should we not literally take husbands literally loving their wives then? Should we not, should we not literally think that children are supposed to literally obey their parents? Are we not supposed to literally think that? You see what I'm saying? It's just, it's interesting when you sort of come to the text with prejudices and then try to change it. And I know that there's a lot of questions that you have going on in your head right now. And that's why I hope to continue these conversations. These are something that, this is something that I want to actually talk more about once we can kick up adult Sunday school. Roles of manhood and womanhood. This is absolutely critical and can really revolutionize a marriage. So now, blokes, a, a word to husbands. Let's look at the following verse. A word to husbands. In verse 19, Paul now turns from instructing wives to instructing husbands. So he says, Colossians 
So first, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So you've got two commands which are given to husbands, one positive, the other negative. First positive, husbands, love your wives. By the way, the word love here isn't some sappy, emotional, butterflies-in-the-stomach sort of love. It's the word agape. You know that word, right? Christ's love for the church. It's a sacrificial love. It's a, it's a costly love. It's, it's a giving love. Uh, before April and I were married, and we were having premarital counseling, really good advice, the pastor said. He said, I want you to picture your marriage like a competition. And I'm like, ooh, that's like what you're not supposed to say, right? And he says, picture it like a competition where, and April's very competitive, by the way. So it's, it's going to be hard to beat her. And he says, you know, picture your marriage like a competition where you are trying to outserve the other person. And that doesn't mean that you're like also like taking scores. So don't take that the wrong way. I think you know, I think you know what he meant. I know what he meant. Like you're doing your best to put the other person's interests before yours. I can say that right now from the lectern. If you've been married for five minutes, you know how difficult that is. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, not easy. But, but if I am called to love my wife, that's what it looks like. It's not the gushy love that, you know, when we were holding hands during the premarital counseling, just couldn't wait to go to Hawaii together. It's the love at three o'clock in the morning when Eden, I'm not, now I'm making myself look great here, but when, when Eden is, is not going to sleep and I want to hold her or whatever. It's, it's, it's the love that puts April's needs, it's looking for her particular needs in that moment, in that season of life and loving her and trying to sacrifice myself in that. Um, also interesting about this word here, it's in the, I know I keep doing a lot of sort of Greek stuff and word stuff, but it's in the present tense, um, meaning it's a continual action. So it doesn't say, hey, husbands, have a go at loving your wife. Keep on loving your wives. Keep doing it. Keep sacrificing. Keep looking for ways to serve her, to love her, to lay down your rights. Who wouldn't want a husband like that? Right, women? Who wouldn't? I mean, w w that's, that's exactly what Paul's advocating for, though. It's not love only reserved for wedding days, anniversaries, or Valentine's Day. This is an everyday love which is characterized by the husband continually loving his wife. Um, let's turn to call, uh, sort of the parallel. If, if you Turn with me just quickly to Ephesians 5. Most of you are familiar with this, but in case you're not, let's look at 525 of Ephesians. It talks about how we are to love our wives. It's 
what's interesting is you're turning there. Did you notice, by the way, what does it do? What does it do? Um, what, is, what does the word of God do when it turns to husbands? Just a little side note. It doesn't say, husbands, make sure your wife is submitting. No. In fact, nowhere does it say that in the Bible, by the way. Just to be clear. Like, nowhere. But, it, but what are you supposed to do? Love your wife. <laughs> right? Do it in a sacrificial way. Like, it, it's just, it's really interesting. Same, same, same sort of um, tone here in Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, and he quotes Genesis, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband whole lot there, right? When it talks about love, I think you're getting the, the picture, though, that it's not, look, it's not loving your wife when, you know, things are going really well or she's sort of meeting all your needs, is it? It's not loving your wife when, uh, you know, um, you're really enjoying her or she's reminding you of the good old days when she used to smile and bat her eyes at you or whatever, Right? Or when she was younger, it's loving your wife, sacrificially laying your, your life down for her. Martin Luther, famous reformer, said, the Christian is supposed to love his neighbor, and since his wife is his nearest neighbor, she should be his deepest love. I like that. So there's the positive side. Turn to Colossians with me again, and we'll see the negative side. It's interesting. It's very, very interesting. Look at Colossians. Go back to Colossians 3 here. He says, Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Not only are we to love our wives, but Paul gives us another word here, doesn't he? He tells us not to be harsh with our wife. Or the King James Version says, and be not bitter against them. Now, now, why do you think Paul would put that there? Of all the words he could have grabbed, right? Of all the things, why, why that? Why, why, why grab the, the bitter part? Well, bitterness easily creeps into human relationships, doesn't it? Particularly ones that are as close as marriage. And what does bitterness do? It justifies itself. Right? You're driving. You're thinking about it. I have every right to be bitter because of what she said. 
or he said. I have every right to be angry and just annoyed, irritated. It's as if Paul's just waiting, you know, just waiting for the husband who says, yeah, 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 but Paul, you don't know how unsupportive my wife is, how she just nags me all the time. You don't know her, Paul. Paul's just waiting for that bloke at the end of verse 19, (laughs) right? When he says, husbands love your wives and do not be embittered against them. A wife can disappoint a man's hopes and ambitions. A wife can disrespect her husband. A wife can undercut his authority. And such feelings of disappointment can quickly find expression from us in harshness and in bitterness and hard words. Friends, are you truly loving your wife? Are you embittered in your heart towards her? Paul's saying, husbands, love your wife in this way. Do not be harsh. Love her with your lips and your heart, even when she has broken your heart. And again, if I can just drive home, love here is not the sappy emotional type of love. It's that agape type of love. It's what we just saw in Ephesians. I mean, goodness. In spite of her failings and her flaws, Christ loves the church and is committed to his bride. Christ loves nothing more than his bride. Christ forsook every blessing and all the riches of heaven for his bride. He left the glories of heaven for his bride. He took on flesh for his bride. He was born in a lowly manger for his bride. He was misunderstood and threatened throughout his entire ministry for his bride. He was beaten, stripped, slapped, spat on, speared, nailed, pierced, had a crown of thorns shoved on his head for his bride. And husbands, we are told to love our wives like Christ loved the church. That, I hope you can feel the gravity of that voice. I sure can. And you know, when a husband, though imperfectly, all of us, right? Love our wives in this agape sort of love, not perfectly, but when we are, it's a costly love, right? It's a giving love. It's a sacrificial love. When we are doing those things and we're understanding, we're trying to lead our family spiritually, it really does, it really, really does glorify God. And you'll find that the wife's I guess uh, joy in submission is just a very easy sort of next step or hand in glove or however you want to say it. When I'm truly loving April and I'm truly sacrificing for her and I'm wanting to lead us in a certain direction, it's much easier for her to do so than when I'm being a jerk and impatient with her. It's difficult sometimes, though, in, in the context of broken relationships to not have bitterness, isn't it? We know that. But Paul gives us a vision of something so much different, something the world's never going to be able to have and never offer. It's this beautiful picture of Christ in the church that is mirrored, reflected in, in marriage. 
It's hus- husband, loving wife, not being embittered. It's wife submitting to husband as is fitting in the Lord. A whole lot more can be said, and I'm happy to sit down and have a chat. I'm sure a lot of you have many questions. You know, what do you do if your husband's not a Christian, right? Uh, what, what do you do if your marriage is, you know, there's a thou- I'm sure there's a thousand questions. Happy to, honestly, that's just not a, um, the pastor thing to say, I'm happy to talk with you. I really am, um, really and truly. So, um, look, le- next week we're going to talk about kids. Next week we're going to talk about parents. And I um, appreciate your prayer. There's, you know, I kind of felt like, to be honest, uh, I could feel like I'd go for like another two hours up here and talking about marriage. And I, I won't. Um, but I almost... I almost I almost kind of, yeah. I almost kind of felt like I was shortchanging you guys this morning. I was just kind of like, well, there you go, and off you go with your marriages now. Like, I, I'm happy to continue to, um, like, look, may, maybe if some of you pick up this book, you go buy it, read through it, discuss it. I've got other books as well, and maybe it's conversations. There's, I understand, like, there's a whole lot. Every marriage is unique because it's two sinners saying I do. Right, it's it's a it's there. You have different temperaments. What what do you do? What do you do, for instance, like with this idea of submission when, um, when the woman is very aggressive and the bloke is passive? Well, how does that work? Is this just a temperament sort of thing? Well, no. Uh, what do you do when you see? There's so many things, right? And um, I'd like to, like I said, hopefully this can carry on and be a conversation, um, and. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really wanting to see marriages that reflect the glory of God. The last thing I'll just say on that note is your marriage is not about your personal satisfaction and happiness. It's about the glory of God, right? It's, it's not about you just, you know, it's not the Tom Cruise you me sort of thing. That's a movie, by the way. In case it's, it's, it's not about your happiness. It's not about the butterflies. It's about the glory of God. So um, let's pray. Let's pray together. <sighs> Gracious God, we, um, we need guidance. We need, Lord, we need you to help us. Help us in our, in our marriages. Lord, for those that are, are no longer married, um, through being widows, divorced, or whatever, we pray that they would not feel condemned. Lord, we know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We do pray, Lord, that for the, those of us that are here and that are currently married, we pray that our marriages would glorify you. We pray that today, hopefully, Lord, is, is setting us on a trajectory of better and deeper conversations about these issues. We pray that, Lord, we know that because of the fall, uh, our capacity to hear things can be tainted. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would protect those that 
perhaps misheard me today. And uh, we, we pray that, Lord, there would be many conversations that would spawn from this that are fruitful and glorifying to you. Lord, we pray that you would give supernatural ability of, of the women that are married here to put themselves under the leadership of their husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And we pray that husbands would love continually their wives and not be embittered towards them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you are in Christ, if you can hear the good news of Christ dying for sinners and you have appropriated that by faith, this is a time to celebrate that reality together where we uh, look at the wafer or the bread of remembering Christ's body broken for us and the juice of his blood's shed on the cross on our behalf. I'm going to ask the ushers to distribute the elements at this time. If you're a Christian, let's celebrate that together. If you're not, this is actually a time for you to look on and, and let those elements pass by. And we'd love to talk to you more about what it means to, to get in a right relationship with God. Um, as they pass out those elements, the little, go ahead and you know, uh, do all the unwrapping bits and hold on to that. And we'll take it as a church body together. And uh, let's reflect though, as, as we get these elements and take off the little rubbish bits and, and reflect on the truths that uh, Dan's gonna lead us in now.
on the night that Jesus was portrayed, he took bread, and after breaking it, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat together. In the same way, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink together. Leave this book up here. And we're going to close up our time now. So, Nigel, if you want to come on up and wrap us up. Look, happy, as I said, guys, to, um, we have to, unfortunately, shoo you out of here. Um, but I can catch bits and pieces. And happy to have a coffee with a lot of you. I'm sure there's a lot of questions you have. And um, massive subject, hey. So let's, uh, let's be thinking on these truths together. Go ahead. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for that word. And thanks, Dan, for those uh, words as well in the song. Um, as we uh, exit, please, um, unfortunately, we can't hang around and, and chat as we'd like to and discuss. But um, feel free to call each other or, or meet up in small homes or cafes. Um, and as you head out, um, please remember um, any tithes and offerings or your connect cards or respond cards in the box at the back. And I'll just close with a word from Romans. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, guys.